You come here out of the blue, asking for 20 hits, just so happens 20 is the magic number where intent to sell becomes trafficking? Todd, I would never fuck you like that. How would you fuck me? This is the real thing. Pharmaceutical grade, not that crunchy herbal rave shit. Don't let anybody double dose, you'd be frying eggs off them in the emergency room. Understood. Only one hit per head banger. Understood. 2015 is 300. 15. I was thinking more like 10. It's just, I know you charge Simon 10. Inflation is a bitch. Okay, here's the deal, right? There are 20 of us. I need all of this. But, I mean, I only have $200. Like, it's all I have. No, 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 no. Okay, hear me out. Hear me out, okay? This 200 is like a down payment, all right? You give me the stuff, I go back to them, I get the extra 100 I come right back here and pay you. See, that would be doing you a favor, and you know how I feel about favors. I could leave something with you. Collateral. I already got a fucking swatch. I need something I know you'll come back for. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever i'm zach i'm matt and this is episode number 167 go so uh recording this on a friday the 13th not releasing it on but i feel like we're in for a weird episode if we're recording it on a friday the 13th people were probably expecting another friday the 13th commentary for a friday bonus don't worry i think we might do that again it could happen (laughs) so go I think the big question uh, on everybody's mind, is it a Christmas movie? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. It's just as much of a Christmas movie as any other movie set on Christmas. Yeah, we won't call out any specific ones. but I don't know if we need to reignite that whole thing. A lot of people consider Eyes Wide Shut a Christmas movie. I certainly do. I threw out the idea that maybe Showgirls was a Christmas movie because there was one scene that seemed to be at Christmas. Okay, that's enough. And the movie that we're going to do next week has parts that in it at Christmas. So sure. maybe that's a Christmas movie. Who knows? I'm on board. Yeah, this is like a late 90s kind of second wave kind of Gen s- X. Screams late 90s. Just like even in the opening credits, like intercutting with like a rave sequence oh uh, well i mean Hard if you wanted to, to jump into that already yeah. i love that i love it too there's I'll, only a few movies that do stuff like that well hard not to immediately like compare to another thing we did for this show rules of attraction just like the way it's shot well i'm talking specifically about the cutting in but yeah the, right. uh, what is that is it columbia i think it's uh, yeah the columbia logo okay. in a, going back and forth wow i was thinking paramount yeah it was like 
bouncing back and forth. Right. That was cool. I mean, that reminds me of Adventureland. How the replacement song starts under the studio logo, sure. like earlier than it usually would. Yeah, you know, like you hear Paul Westerberg scream like when the studio logo is still on the screen, which is right. kind of cool. And this one just kind of cuts back and forth, which is very unique looking. I like it. But before we get, get too into lost that. into the movie, yeah. <laughs> follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts and all that shit. That's right. Love it. Love the engagement. Love people texting me about the show. I can't believe it at times, really, how much people are actually still interested. Yeah, we have a small but very loyal and Absolutely. fervent fan base. Yeah. And we will continue to keep doing this, you know, at least for a while. We're going to get to the point where, like, at the end of the eps, I'll just, like, list off the people who listen to the show by name. Well, that would be, like, a Patreon level. That's true. Once we get to that. <laughs> so, Go, 1999, directed by Doug Lyman. Who had burst onto the scene yeah. w- with Swingers and has moved on to more of an action director. Has he's, directed a lot of action adventure movies. He's not really like a household name for me. Like, I, I know it. I recognize it. But then when you start going through his filmography, you're like, wow, this guy is Well, he you directed know, your successful. favorite rental, That's Jumper. True. That's right. Yeah. I did see that when I was uh, perusing through his Wikipedia the other day. I kind of feel like Swingers is is sometimes forgotten about, even though it, it does have like that would a be cult. like a first wave Gen X movie for yeah, me, and this I is like so. a second wave. I, I agree with that. Even yeah. though I think Sarah Polly is only a little older than me, so they she's do, probably like a millennial. I do but. feel like Swingers to Go does segregate the parts of the '90s. Yeah, you know what I mean. Swingers is the mid '90s, and Go is the late '90s. Yeah, for me, I feel. Go would make a good double feature with Suburbia, Richard Linklater's okay, Suburbia. Okay, yeah. As like that post-grunge 90s culture. Right. This would be the rave side of it, but just sort of that hanging out, listless, Oh yeah. zero ambition. <laughs> These were the types of people that I thought were the coolest when I was in high school. Seeing movies like Go or Suburbia or Days of Confused or Clerks or whatever... I mean, this is what I wanted to emulate. I oh, mean, yeah. these were like heroic people. To yeah, me. I was like, I want to be Todd Gaines, you know. <laughs> Even I'm though I'm terrified kinda... of like breaking the law and drugs, so that's hard. I'm also like a little confused about the ages of the characters, but we'll get to that more later. Katie Holmes is playing the Katie Holmes character at this time. Like, she just is Joey Potter from Dawson's Creek <laughs> still, you know, with like a little bit of an edge. Go was written by John August, who would go on to write the first two Charlie's Angels movies, Big wow. Fish. Big career. A few of the other Tim Burton entries, and yeah. then Aladdin, the 2019 one, the remake. <laughs> wow. That is a uh, variety of work. And for a while, he would try to sneak in references to Confederated Products, which is a made-up company, okay. which comes into play in this movie, and yeah. this is his first full-length script gotcha but i doubt he's getting that into a lad i don't, think I don't so. really think that would fit <laughs> <laughs> despite his efforts disney kept being like we aren't buying into this confederated products you want to talk about a relic from 20 years ago the budget 20 million wow this would be a movie that you would have to make for under a million or it would not be made now. <laughs> yeah no chance no inflation on that budget it did bring in 28.5 at the box office okay which success I mean, I guess. <laughs> I think when you factor in marketing and stuff, it probably broke didn't even. really break even. But. Um, I got to tell you, not much of a memory for me when this movie came out, with the exception of, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, 
the No Doubt music video yes. that accompanied this movie. I love the No Doubt song. It's it's probably my favorite No Doubt song. It is a good one. New. Yes. You want to think it's like stay or something. <laughs> um, or go. Right. True. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a great No Doubt song. I remember the music video for it well. Certainly did not see this in theaters when it came out. I, I kind of... What I, was this? I, I wasn't even. I don't think I would, that certainly was not old enough. Yeah, I, I probably would see like a few R-rated movies in the theater by that point, but yeah, it was not a regular occurrence. And this, I remember when it came out, but movies kind of came and went. Oh yeah. And this seemed to be aimed at an audience that was slightly older. But again, I mean, the ages of the characters are confusing to me. I, I don't know if it's because I just think that Sarah Polly looks older. It seems but... like they're just slightly post-high school, but that wouldn't include a friend going to Las Vegas. Well, he's definitely older than oh, them. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy playing Simon is, is older than them. But, yeah, I don't know. Okay. It's very confusing. Weirdly enough, uh, the song New by No Doubt is one of those songs that throughout the years, no matter what changes, like whether it's downloading music whatever streaming services available whatever you're like adding to whatever device exists that song always makes the rotation for me like it's a great song it's always being added to whatever collection i'm building i think return of saturn is kind of an underrated no doubt album it's the follow-up to tragic kingdom which yeah. was so huge and then their other album which was like rock steady would be like this huge comeback album that was like almost as big as tragic kingdom and Sandwiched in the middle there was Return of Saturn, which we'll didn't see. have a lot of radio hits, but knew was pretty good. I think so. I'm in on it. <laughs> 91% on Rotten Tomatoes wow. for Go. It's, Wouldn't have thought that. Some people hated it. It's become Although, a cult classic. I think it's better than its reputation, which at the time was another Tarantino ripoff. Okay, you get that. You get like the pop culture kind and of... And it definitely apes the irreverent frequently off-topic dialogue the fast pace yeah, yeah. the rapidly changing point of view the non-chronological format but okay i mean it's just working within that genre you it know was, how we talked about it was of the time for sure brian de palma working within oh, yeah. the hitchcock genre it's like well a lot of people this made what people tarantino I, I, movies in the 90s and most of them well, weren't great but some of them were and i already brought it up but i mean rules of attraction the roger avery thing i mean it's just it, yeah this was the style so Go features interweaving narratives with their own unique characters. It's primarily three main storylines. John August originally wrote the Rana portion first, which is the first part of the film, and conceived of it as a short film. But eventually, after friends who read the script asked about Simon's Las Vegas trip and what was going on with Adam and Zach, he decided to write two more parts to fill out the story. Okay. The movie... It's kind of one of the definitive rave culture movies. I wouldn't say it's like the definitive one. It was released in the time of the rave culture. It wasn't like looking back on it. I got to tell you, rave culture from a distance, I'm into. I think if I was ever in it, not for me. As I said, I consider this more of like that second wave 90s Gen X movies because it's slightly different from like singles, yeah. reality bites, and even swingers, but they still seem too old to be like considered millennial. I think, oh, Even absolutely. if they're technically are millennial. If like, Jay Moore is involved, it's way well, <laughs> pre-millennial. Well, some of the characters are certainly older. I'm talking about like, if you consider Rana and Claire no. and Manny the main characters. I definitely consider Sarah Polly like older than you. Yeah, but in reality, she's only like a year or two older than me. 
So you are, you're like contemporaries then. But I'm a life. millennial, and people that are older than me are still millennials. That's what keeps you young, you know? What? Like Sarah Polly's like not a millennial. Sarah Polly hasn't really acted in anything in a long time, and she directed Matt's favorite movie, <laughs> Take, Take This, this Waltz. Waltz. Which basically ended her career as just like... Well, she, she hasn't really directed anything since, but no. it seems like she has upcoming projects. I think last though, I heard IMDb. she was working at like a Starbucks <laughs> in Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> okay, so Sarah Polly plays Rana. We have Desmond Askew as Simon. Katie Holmes as Claire. Uh, Sarah Polly, by the way, probably has like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's like she's been acting since she was. I know very she's been little. in so many things. Nathan Bexton as Manny. Timothy Oliphant as Todd, the drug dealer. That's right. Yeah, he only. Ended up in this movie because he got fired from Practical Magic, that movie with like Nicole Kidman and Sandra wow. Bullock. That's nuts. I, think, I can't even remember who he was replaced with. I know I read it, but yeah, that is shocking. Jay Moore as Zach, Scott Wolf as Adam, Tay Diggs as Marcus, Breck and yeah. Meyer as Tiny. Wow, every, they really put every person from the '90s in. James this. Duvall as Sing. AKA yeah. Frank. They were from- like, we got to get everybody who's only going to have an impact on the zeitgeist at the time. We got to get all those people in this movie. I mean, I and think you're really over exaggerating it. I, I mean, don't there's know. There's a lot I- of people missing. <laughs> it's true, but I mean, these And are James people- Duvall, I mean, Frank hadn't even happened yet. Frank the Bunny from Donnie Darko. Okay. That's still yeah. a couple years. Uh, well, listen, I'm not worried about Frank Duvall, but like, I do think that like Breck and Meyer, I mean, come on. All right, Breckenmeyer Meyer is a guy that was in like everything. That, That's true. Oh, well, sure. And well, like Katie Holmes, I mean, these are people that like as soon as the millennium hit, as soon as like the year 1999 ended and the year 2000 began, Hollywood was just like you guys can't be in anything anymore. Katie Holmes, they said that about? Pretty much. Batman Begins was 2005. Yeah, but then they were like they got wise for the Dark Knight. <laughs> no, the only reason she wasn't in the Dark Knight was cuz Tom Cruise wouldn't let her. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that was like her lifeline. That was like her comeback story. <laughs> okay. William Fickner as Burke and Jane Krakowski as his wife Irene and the first film role of Melissa McCarthy. That's true. Yeah. From In Gilmore a surprise Girls fame. appearance. Yeah. I actually remember watching this movie with you one time, but didn't remember she was in it until this most recent screening for me. Yeah. Not really a memorable role. It's. I mean, it's only like a couple of minutes. So the movie, to me, is just essentially what it is to be young. I mean, it's a wild night where a lot of wild shit happens, yeah. and a lesson should be learned, but really isn't by True. the end, because they're kind of just like, well, all right, on to the next thing. What's kind of nuts to me is how nonchalantly, and this is always shocking to me in movies, people taking like hard drugs and driving... I mean, yeah. I know obviously there's like a huge social stigma on drinking and driving, but I actually think that like, I mean, when people are taking like hard drugs, you are like just rolling on way X. out of yeah. your mind. I mean, the idea of like people trying to like drive. Well, there is that weird scene where Rana first finds out that Manny took the two pills and she knows that you're only supposed to take one. I guess she doesn't know that he took two. Well, basically. But the, she's just like drive. She just yeah. literally says that to the him. Guy like, who okay, sold, drive. The, the guy who sold the drugs is basically like, if he takes two He's going to OD, basically. Like, you know, him being like whoever the random drug patron is of the day. But she knows that. Okay, that sounds like it's pretty powerful. She thinks he's taking one, and she's like, you drive me around? I'd be like, we're going to hit a telephone pole in, like, point two. So the movie starts off with Rana. 
She's a cashier at yeah. a grocery store in Los Angeles. It's Christmas time. The big thing for me with Rana is her age. So later in the film, yeah. not to like jump into the whole context of that scene, okay. but she says that she's 17. Every that time seems shocking. Every time I've watched this movie up until recently, yeah. I assumed she was lying. Well, this is what I don't get about raves. Are raves a sanctioned event? No, not really. Okay, so then you just find a warehouse and it's just like anything goes. Yeah, and I think they can get like broken up by the cops. Right. Okay, it just yeah. depends. So I think no some one is, are like, and checking some are. IDs. Yeah. Obviously, I if I had lived through the rave, the rave era, thing is not what I'm getting hung up on. So, <laughs> okay, I think it plays a part. I just assumed that she was older. She seems older. She talks about her apartment that she's going to get evicted from, which That's is true. a huge plot point. Yes. She could be underselling her age slightly, I guess, to make it sound even worse that she's like not even an adult. But I just feel like there's no way she's actually 17. No. But why would she have an apartment? When you look okay. in the IMDb trivia, it says that they cast people who were older than 18 but could look younger because they were supposed to be like high school aged. And I was thinking, well, why is she living by herself in LA? Yeah. What is her story? It doesn't really make sense. And I disagree with that because I think Sarah Pauly was like 18 or 19. And to me, she looks older than that. So I, I always thinking, thought she was in her 20s. And I, was, a, I thought the opposite. I was picturing these characters being roughly around 20. Which makes sense and I can buy. But it just throws me for a loop that it's just kind of assumed that they were casting people to be like high schoolers. But they wanted to get people that were... 18 because of the subject matter of the film and plus you know it's easier to work a full work days and stuff when you're filming but That's a good point i don't know the age is just bizarre because it doesn't seem like anybody has parents well i mean listen did anyone have an apartment when they were 17 that you knew no especially in la i mean how expensive <laughs> yeah, exactly <is> that? <laughs> i guess sarah Polly, she never really wanted to make a film in la she's from canada she's most of what she'd filmed to this point was in canada okay and they offer her this movie based on the strength of The Sweet Hereafter, which was like kind of a, it was like a well-received hit in the late 90s that she was in. I think it was like 97. Okay. So she agrees to do this movie because of the opening line where she says, look how far it got you to that woman. Oh, yeah. I do <laughs> enjoy that scene. The grocery store, the, the customer. And it's. I used to do your job. I can't watch this without getting ptsd from interacting with customers <laughs> yeah, God, i mean it's I like imagine a, yeah talk about a trigger right yeah <laughs> that whole interaction funny. with that woman i've like i've had that interaction a million times i was watching this with Lindsay actually and she was a hostess for like two months of her life and she was basically just like that i am not cut out for this world i cannot keep myself from being an asshole to like every person that wants a table at this restaurant people being like well what's the weight like and it's just like I mean, listen, every seat's taken. What do you want me to be? 20 minutes? I'm making it up. Yeah. Who knows? How, however long they take. Yeah, I don't no know. Shit. <laughs> they chose this particular grocery store because it looked old. Like it hadn't been updated yet. And it had like a very unique look. Like it wasn't all white and sterile like oh, sure. a lot of grocery yeah. stores. And then so they paid a fee, a location fee to this place. And. <laughs> The owner of the grocery store then took that money and updated the whole thing. And they were like, what the fuck? 
We like we wanted That's to awesome, actually. So then they had to paint it back. They basically then had to just change the grocery store to try to get it back the way it was. Wow. Because he had everything was painted white in the movie. You'll see like the walls Shot and the stuff are red up. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny. So the jumping off scene is where we meet Claire and Simon, who are two of Rana's co-workers. Simon. Just a dog, really. Well, yeah, Simon's whole portion of the film you would think would be like my favorite because it that's where all the nudity of the movie is, and it's 100% committed to sex. Oh, yeah. Simon is like one-track mind sex, <laughs> and that's like you know strippers, threesome, Just all kinds of crazy going shit. going for it all the time, basically. He wants someone to cover his shift so he can go to Las Vegas. It's kind of strange, like Sh- Simon having this job even at this grocery store because it's basically like he's paying a co-worker to take his shift basically well to go to vegas which he also has i think it's well enough explained because he is a middleman who sells drugs so it's all just that he's the connection to todd and he's the one that sells them drugs which seems even skeezier when you think like well he's probably in his late 20s and they're like supposed to be right out of high school who is this actor that plays simon desmond askew do you know him from anything else? Not really. His current picture on IMDb, he looks 70 years old. Oh, boy. <laughs> he looks very yeah. old. <laughs> Some hard years. Well, I mean, he was almost 30 at the time, and this movie wow. was 20 years old. Okay. So. But I do love, like, you know, we talk about it a lot on this show, but, like, even going back to, like, the late 90s, well, I guess, it, it you know, anything, like we said, anything pre, like, Janet Jackson Super Bowl incident, it was just a different time. But... <laughs> It is, like, kind of nuts, like, just Simon just so openly going for it with, like, Rana, his well, co-worker. Well, I, I would have went more, like, pre-Me Too. I'm not really sure if I would have went to the Janet Jackson Super Bowl. For me, that's when everything changed. That's, like, the distinct moment in Well, time. yeah, he holds the mistletoe. Over his over crotch. His crotch yeah. yeah, and then later he's like, I've thrown an extra 20 for a blowjob. <laughs> yeah, right. I guess it's fine if it's jokes. <laughs> Well, certainly. <laughs> although, is it a joke? Because if she said okay, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be a joke then. Yeah, although I, that's when you're just like, oh, I don't know if I'm actually, if I can handle this. Well, especially if she wasn't lying about her age later in the movie when she says she's 17. Yeah. <laughs> although, Katie Holmes certainly not 17 at this time. Neither was Sarah Polly, but I, that was the whole thing I was talking about. I know, I just wanted you to <laughs> confirm that because uh, I, I just want to say, definitely Katie Holmes looking good. Yeah, I think she's looked better. She looked way better in Wonder Boys. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so you can go back to episode 16 of this podcast to check that out. Oh, God. I think we the mandate before recording was to try to keep these episodes shorter. <laughs> now <laughs> suddenly we're talking about Janet Somehow Jackson you'll cut and this out. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder Boys. Because you always cut out the good stuff and like just leave us going through the plot. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Ron is facing eviction, so she agrees to take Simon's shift. While working that shift for Simon, which Rana, by the way, she just said that she worked like a fourteen-hour shift or something. Well, Claire said that, but yeah, yes, yeah. which I is know. nuts. And she's picking up another one. I mean, that's like death. She needs that money. Yeah, I get it. Well, she got to get do? that paper. While she's working that shift for Simon, Rana is approached by two television actors named Adam and Zach, who want to buy twenty hits of ecstasy. And again, for like any like nineties historians right away are just like, okay, Jay Moore, who's literally been in every movie that came out like after nineteen ninety five. And then the other guy, Bailey from Party of Five. Really yeah, never to be seen again. After. They didn't really want to cast Scott Wolf because they had already cast Katie Holmes and they didn't want two television actors 
in the movie because then it would feel i guess you know the perception was like well this is like too much tv but again going on. this is another guy that you're just like okay double dragon party of five and then like the <laughs> <Double> year dragon <laughs> and then the year 2000 hit and it's just like sorry man it's over yeah they only ended up casting him though because he had the best chemistry with jay moore that's right okay <laughs> what you can see they'd been hoping to buy from simon but simon's not there and obviously we know rana needs the money so she agrees to help after this shift, which who knows even how much longer she had to work, it doesn't seem like the days are 24 hours. It seems like the days There's are like hours. way longer. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that is a thing when you are in that sweet spot. Like yeah, I know. 19, it's just this endless 20, 20, energy. Yeah, it's just like you had so many hours in the day. Rana and then her two coworkers, Manny and Claire, they're going to jump the food chain, as Manny puts it, and go directly to Simon's dealer, this guy named Todd Gaines. This guy... Living some kind of a life. I love it. <laughs> He's just like shirtless all the time. Just hanging out, hot chick leaving. Yeah. Just playing music, boxes. Everywhere. Just unopened stereo equipment. Every <laughs> Stereo equipment was like a big thing in the 90s. Really People was. just yeah, always like, had it. Like in a pre-Best Buy world. <laughs> everyone... Best Buy definitely existed <laughs> in 1999. Okay. I Did was you ever like, listen to cereal? Eh, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's a good point i was thinking like circuit city was ruling the world at this well point, there but... was definitely circuit yeah. city as well oliphant's character in this reminds me of his character from the girl next door for sure i agree with that this that's, was like I, when listen, i first saw the girl next door it, it is this go part two <laughs> yeah it was just like oh this is like a typecast <laughs> just this kind of dude yeah seriously <laughs> i don't know if the girl next just door like is popular enough dealer. to just reference Weirdly enough, I saw The Girl Next Door twice in the theater. So did I. Wow. <laughs> we're on that we're all, Yeah, we're, we're in that Alicia Cuthbert yeah. fan club. We're riding hard. <laughs> we're hoping that comeback's coming. I think so. <laughs> For those of you who aren't watching The Ranch on Netflix. Who, who is watching who? that? <laughs> I know some people. I just wrote aesthetically interesting. I'm not really sure what that was in reference to. His apartment? I don't know. Or his body? <laughs> I think everything. Yeah, okay. I do think that what it, makes this apartment I just think the movie in general is aesthetically interesting cuz oh, yeah. obviously they're driving by a lot of 90s businesses that wouldn't be there now. I'm sure everything would look different, but there's Christmas lights in the car and yes, there's some interesting shots true. of the apartment building where there's like a lot of plant life going the weird on thing in front is, of it. Like at me as like a younger person would see this movie and think like the Christmas lights in the car would be like so cool. I could definitely see myself being like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I think it would be cool, but it's something that you can only do up until a certain age. It wouldn't well, be cool now. Do, yeah, well, and even at that time, I feel like if I started putting them up, I'd be like, this was way cooler in the movie Go than it is in my car. Oh, yeah, car. you can never <laughs> yeah, get it to look for, right, as yeah, good yeah. as like a professional person doing the props and everything. Rana wants to buy 20 hits of ecstasy. She doesn't have enough money. Yeah. She's clearly not really being given the same price that Simon would be because Todd is suspicious of her. It just so happens that 20 hits is the magic number that changes sure. intent to sell to trafficking. Yeah. Which, to me, if this is someone that you've never sold to before and that is the number, I mean, I, I get that he makes her take her shirt Make off. Make rules. So. That would be like an immediate no. Um, yeah. I'd be like, no, no way this is happening. Yeah. It's nice that Sarah Polly t pops the top. I mean, she's wearing a bra, but... Yeah. You know, so she's not wearing a microphone, but, I mean, that wouldn't be enough. 
I'd be like, who are you again? Well, We're first not of all, this. if you are him, don't you think you're pushing it to the next level? It's like, if you really want these 20 hits, I need to be sure there is no wire. <laughs> you mean the bra is coming off? I think off? so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm just saying, if you want to be In a, a pre-Janet Jackson world? I think so, yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to be like a prudent drug dealer. Ultimately, she has to give him 200 instead of 300 and leave Claire, her friend, as I love collateral. I, I do love that, yeah. Which sets up a strange bedfellows dynamic. She's supposed to be kind of like the goody-goody of the group, and Which she has to weird. hang out with this drug dealer. Yeah. From the beginning of the movie... I wasn't really feeling like Claire is the goody-goody. But obviously, as the movie goes on, she is portrayed that way. But I don't know. I guess I was expecting... Goody-goody might be, like, a little harsh. She's just, like, not as wild. I I guess if you're, like, the best kid out of a group of kids that, like, all do ecstasy. Yeah. You know, the bar's not that high. Well, she does smoke pot later. That's true. So it's not like she's a a saint. Absolutely not. you know, like a killjoy. A buzzkill. The idea of hanging out with a drug dealer, though, is a bit much, which I think is understandable. Sure. So the ecstasy, as we mentioned, is pharmaceutical grade, whatever which, that means. I, again, is this something that's just made up for movies? It seems like it. American Beauty, so. yeah. the same deal. <laughs> right. It's just something that always is brought up as a plot point. So Rana goes to this meet. What fucking purpose would ecstasy have in a pharmaceutical well a lot of this shit does get created in a lab for some other reason okay yeah it's just like burning a hole in your brain that's what they always used to say rana goes to a meetup with adam and zach at some house and now there's this guy named burke there too just really not playing it cool yeah this scene (laughs) is so weird just this awkward nervous tension he's super pushy he comes across as someone, like, ultimately, we're going to find out Burke is the cop, but oh, he sure. comes ac- across as somebody who's never done this before. I know. Just has no idea how to be cool And, at I all. mean, that's the thing. It's like, he's, like, the older dude, and she should be, like, the young, impressionable chick, and immediately, she's just like, something's off here. Well, there's Even a lot before. of discrepancies in the story that Adam and Zach had told right. her at the grocery store versus what they're telling her now. And we know the orange juice is the thing, which is weird. It does feel like... The first time you see this scene, because you do see it multiple times, but the first time you see the scene, you do feel like she's putting it together on her own. It almost seems like worse later that they have to be so blatant with it that Jay Moore has to be like, go. Yeah, that plays in with, like, how old is she? Yeah. I think there's just, I don't know. But I'm I think not, just in the first scene, though, you feel You like, think that there's enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because she's putting it together on her I th- own. Yeah, I think based on the audio commentary, I think that. You're supposed to take that. Yeah, that she yeah. got it on her own. But yeah, I mean, that's she. He's pushing it over the top because she he, she asks to go to the bathroom before right. he says that. That's true. So I mean, yeah. he's just making sure she knows. I love though. Is it William Fickner? How do you say his name? Yeah, yeah. Who also just in like a million movies. Yeah, versatile character actor. That's true, but I, I do love <laughs> within the context of the scene and like the orange juice is obviously a big part of it. Because we saw the two dudes like purchase the oranges from her at the grocery store. But I just love that, like, within the context of this sequence of events, that she's like, let's just take a glass of that orange juice. And wouldn't the guy be like, we don't have orange juice before having to like go back and check? Well, it's also, it's no, it's none of their house. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he doesn't really know probably right, right. what's there or whatever, but. Yeah, in addition to the no orange juice thing, he says that their hookup couldn't 
get out of Philly, but they had said Chicago. Oh, yeah. All sorts of holes in this story. Yeah. Which I do like Scott Wolf covering for it, though. Trying to. (laughs) Which, that's the funny thing. Well, he doesn't cover for that. He he only says that once she's already gone to the bathroom. He's like, well, we said that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's like, no, no, it's in the car. But he bought, they bought frozen orange juice. So even if it was out in the car, it's like, right. well, what are we, she going to wait for 15 minutes for them to make this orange juice? <laughs> make it. Realizing that something's wrong, Rana excuses herself to the bathroom and flushes the pills down the toilet, which it, it's a hilarious scene just There's because no Burke is trying to break into the bathroom the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually opens the door with a key. As if, hey, how do you explain this? Yeah, that is bizarre. And the timing doesn't line up. She spills so many pills on the floor. Right. I mean, I think they just wanted there to be suspense for that moment. But yeah, it doesn't. I know what you mean. It doesn't quite add up the time. While that's happening out in the car, Manny has secretly palmed two of the pills, unaware of their potency, and then he takes them. This is the type of stuff, though, when I put myself into these characters' minds, it's just like, I'm not about to fuck with a Timothy Oliphant. I, I just feel like you're playing with fire a little bit here. Well, that brings me to another thought that I was having when watching this movie was I don't think that Manny and Claire are always aware of everything that Ron is just kind of freewheeling and sure. doing here, coming up with shit. On the Because fly. later on, right. when Manny and Rana flee the rave to escape Todd... Yes. Claire is not with them. She gets separated. And then later that next morning runs into Todd and is not afraid of him and is completely unaware. I don't think she had any idea that they switched the pills and all that shit. Uh, That's true. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of nuts the way the movie plays. And Manny is fucking over Rana in that moment because as far as he knows, this is a legitimate deal and she's selling what's supposed to be be 20 pills. pills. Yeah. It's kind of a dick move. Absolutely. Although I was thinking like if they busted her. And she had 18 instead of 20. I wonder, it, it, just because she said it was 20, misdemeanor. does it get switched to intent to sell versus trafficking? I don't know. But as we know from Burke's whole thing, he was going to try to flip whatever person and all this other shit. Which begs the question then, why is he okay with them freestyling and switching it to Rana when Simon isn't there? Because who's Rana going to flip on? Like, Well, I know. That's... His whole plan is to just keep flipping people, but Rana isn't that valuable then. It had to be Simon or Bust, really, for that plan. Yeah. I feel like if people haven't seen Go, this this might be the most insane episode we've ever done. <laughs> no one knows what the fuck we're I even mean, talking about. I mean, that's every about. episode. It's fine. Move on. <laughs> I have a feeling that you probably weren't a huge fan of the trippy hallucination scenes with manny it's not my favorite especially the macarena scene no i'm not in which it seemed like doug lyman really was a fan of and why he wanted to direct the movie and i (laughs) really couldn't figure out why yeah it stinks it's kind of dumb everything up until kind of where we're heading now i'm 100 percent in on as things start to unfold throughout the rave and like selling the fake pills, I- I'm not. Oh, I'm in on all that. No, I'm in yeah. on everything up okay. until it switches. I get to Simon. back in once Todd shows up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just think well we, we we'll get yeah, there, you but go the, ahead. the yeah, big moment right there is so unexpected. The first time you see, I know. It, you're yeah. Just like, right. What exactly. The fuck? Yes. <laughs> because as we're gonna get to, this movie is mostly a comedy. Sure. But yeah. it occasionally dabbles in like light menace that never se- seems that dangerous, but it could. And then there's moments like where you're like, rooms on fire. holy shit, what yeah. the fuck did I just see? And then you're like, you know, it kind of gets less terrible as it goes. But sure. you think for a minute like something horrible has just happened. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, like a girl getting hit by a car is not horrible. Well, you think she's dead at first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she lives, so that's fine. Rana steals over-the-counter pills from the store where they all work. That's this when seems, um, Manny does the Macarena thing. Yeah. This seems crazy to me. I always loved that when people, whether it was me or people I worked with, would come into the like when I was a teenager, and you yeah. come into the store where you worked. Yeah, that's horrible. It was always such like a weird move. Yet I probably did it because it's like you know I worked at a grocery store for a while, and it's like I'm how sure could I you showed up, show your face there when you're not on the clock? But people love to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I do think it's absolutely insane what happens with her buying these over-the-counter pills she doesn't buy them she just steals them okay sorry she just have that kind of money to be buying (laughs) that's true that's a good point yeah big miss by me there but i just mean whatever happens with like these loser dudes at the rave okay i can get in on that but todd that's a ballsy move it's nuts to me and i can't believe that he's just like yep these are it is he just not like not looking at him he just he doesn't look at them till they leave yeah but yeah, there's a certain naivete to Rana that simultaneously helps and hurts her. It helps her in the sense that I don't think Todd would ever believe that she would pull this move. Yeah. But it hurts her in that she does things that are dangerous without realizing how dangerous they are. Right. One of the things that's kind of funny about it is maybe it's like inflation to me a little bit, or maybe it's just like getting older, but at times the stakes being so high for like $100. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get right. to the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, with Todd. I, yeah. I don't really know Listen, what's happening there. Don't let me derail this thing. You <laughs> it, oh, stick it's, to your notes, okay? We're well off the rails. <laughs> I can't even see the rails yeah, anymore. Yeah. They're so far back. <laughs> I haven't seen them since episode 16. Meanwhile, while this is all playing out, Todd is giving Claire a hard time. Sure. Do you want to get laid? No. No, you don't want to get laid, or no, you do, but... You don't want to get laid with me. Look, they'll be here. They'll be here. Are you a virgin? What? Come on, Claire. Answer the question. Answer the question, Claire. Oh. I just love it. He's reenacting Bender talking to Molly Ringwald, That's Claire, right. in yeah. the Breakfast Club, Answer asking question, if she's Claire. a virgin. We get one side of a phone conversation that we will see the other side That's of true. later, yeah. which is kind of fun. Yeah. Which is funny because you can guess what Simon's saying, and then it's like confirmed <laughs> later. Like when, you know, when you eventually see Simon on the phone in the hotel being like, are you going to fuck her? And I'm like, yep, that's pretty much what I thought he was replying to. <laughs> well, yeah. Just the way Oliphant like looks Claire up and down in such like a creepy way. <laughs> but Claire is relieved of duty when Rana returns with Manny, and she does the bold move of giving 20 fake pills to Todd rather yeah. than the ecstasy that Absolutely she flushed down the toilet. insane. Let's go back. Did she have to flush the pills down the toilet? They never searched her. That's true. Nothing yeah. ever happened. She could have just walked out of that bathroom and been like, well, I'm leaving, which is what she did. And she could have just had the pills the whole time. It's a good point. Yep. Horrible job by Rana. Maybe Todd's not as hardened as he pretends to be. This is like the first indication, though, because you're like, well, why would he do this? As I pointed out, he doesn't know that they're fake yet. But regardless of if they're fake or not, the fact that he's just willing to even 
He takes like well, here's what? What he care. takes like twenty bucks or something. I don't know. He took some percentage. He takes fifty bucks. Takes fifty bucks and gives her the rest of the money back. Even if the pills were legit, that just doesn't seem like something he would do, based yeah, on how hard true. he was pretending he was. But yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. It does seem nuts that he would. But I guess I do feel like Claire kind of softens his heart and soul sure, a little he's bit. Sure, he's interested. Yeah. So in addition to that one jumping off scene, the scene with Simon, Claire, and Rana back at the lockers. I don't know why they have lockers, but like the yeah the time clock, the punch-in clock at the grocery store. You the know, other connective location is the Mary Xmas Rave, spelled M-A-R-Y, like quickly, a chick's name. To go back quickly, the one thing I'm thinking from Todd's perspective is everything with Rana is kind of like on edge anyway i almost feel like her coming back with the pills would be like a possible best case scenario <laughs> it's just like i'm just gonna take You're thinking he's bucks. still nervous about like being busted or something something going down yeah. bad and it tracing back to him like it just feels like you don't want your drugs out there with her now i've gotten the drugs back i made 50 bucks and i got to hang out with this claire chick for two hours so maybe i've got some roots going there <laughs> i've gotten in her head a little I bit planted a seed Rana, Claire, and Manny all go to this Merry Xmas rave to sell these fake pills as if they're ecstasy to these ridiculous ravers who don't know any better. I like the scene in the van with those kids. Oh, yeah, because sure. It feels, I think we all have been there. There's some truth to it. Yeah, yeah, I think it hits a little close to home for people. I mean, I think probably everybody who... You know, I can feel it first trying to like get oh, into doing yeah. drugs. <laughs> no idea what's supposed to happen versus what is going right. to happen. And yeah, I mean, she just kind of takes advantage of people who are desperate to be cool. Who don't That's know the what weird thing. Doing. Meanwhile, if it's like if you've ever done any drug, it's just like completely knocks you off your goddamn feet. Yeah. I mean, obviously you wouldn't have to ask right. what it's like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would just be happening. But she's, like, telling them that you need to smoke a lot of pot, like, a lot, a lot. <laughs> but, yeah, those dudes are funny. Sure. Todd finally realizes the pills are fake, and having learned from Claire earlier where they'll all be at this Merry Xmas rave, he shows up to the rave to find them. Rana and Manny Puts a shirt flee. on. What? Oh, yeah. We just have to put a shirt It's winter. I mean, I know it's L.A., but it's not yeah. that warm. Rana and Manny flee, but... Manny's now so fucked up that she has to hide him under some trash, promising to return with the car. <laughs> They're like ducking out the back of this place. In like Wikipedia and stuff, it's described as an alley, but that doesn't feel right because the building is in the middle of a parking lot. It's right. just kind of like walls. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> it's walls outside of a building, like the back door of a building. So I guess it's kind of like an alley, but it's not like an alley between two buildings. It's just like a maze. <laughs> I guess not what you would typically picture. So she hides him under some trash. Claire is not with Rana at the moment that they flee, so they get separated. Todd ends up cutting Rana off in the parking lot and confronts her with a gun. So like, Yeah, things have escalated. Yeah, this is what I mean. Occasionally this movie dabbles in light menace, so it's, it's never like 100% right. comedy, but I do feel like that's primarily what the genre is. I do feel like Todd... I guess it's just like kind of a sociopath, not really having any feeling towards anything that's happening. I mean, you see it here because Rana, you almost feel like he has like kind of this weird chemistry with and even leaving that line of like, hey, I just did you a favor or whatever to so quickly go to like, well, I'm going to murder you over $250. Well, that's what I don't know. That's what's never answered. I mean, I guess Was you, you could take assume it that far. 
since that's what's presented, he has a gun. He's menacing her. He's like yeah. walking towards her in the parking lot. But but I will say, I would say like a minute or so goes by where they're talking and he sure. doesn't shoot her. So what's True. the point of all this talk? Is he just like scaring her? Is he gonna risk going to prison for murder well, over we this do amount see of money? Like a semi similar behavior from him though later when Simon, who's like his boy, he just so nonchalantly is just like, This is where he lives. And I get that that's like a joke for the movie. Like that part is yeah, funny. I think that scene was actually rewritten and redone completely okay. wow. from what it, whatever it originally was. And to I do make think it's it funny. Like funny. Yeah, I think it's funny. But when we're just talking about just this character, it's like it is kind of dark. Well, as Ron is backing up, she's hit by a speeding car and flung up onto the roof of the car. Yeah, really just like demolished. And then the car proceeds to accelerate forward and stop propelling her into a ditch. Yeah. The car speeds away and then Todd just Yeah, shocked. Todd just tucks the gun back and walks He's away. Like, I so get yeah, out I mean, even He's if not- he wasn't going to shoot her, he clearly isn't going to help her. <laughs> He's not checking on her. No. So yeah, I mean, he definitely has some issues. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I guess they wanted her specifically to be wearing a skirt for this scene to show, like, an extra vulnerability. Like, her legs are bare, and she's up on this car and then gets flung into a ditch, you know. Just okay. feels very, like, vulnerable. But that made it harder for the stunt people to do it because it, it was just, like, like a complicated thing to do. to get do. hit by a car in a skirt. And this mo- moment, the first time you see the movie and you're not really aware of where it's going, is certainly shocking because it's very violent and she seems dead now yeah they do cut to her alive in the ditch before they move on though you know she's alive right she comes too i mean she seems fucked up but okay she's not actually dead i think that was to maybe take some of that dread out of it because now you're going to circle back as the film essentially restarts and you go back to that grocery store jumping off scene in this next where simon's asking her to take the shift significantly more jokey like this yeah, whole this whole section is very over the top and doesn't have the weight of the first and third agreed where you kind of it, believe. it feels like a different movie yeah and it's lyman returning to vegas i mean obviously he just had just come off swingers right. basically and yeah you kind of believe that the first and third exist in one reality which is not quite our reality but it's close it's heightened for sure. Sure, and sure. It's a little over the top. Segment two is just sort of like a dream world. <laughs> Not even well. For, yeah, how does he just land into this threesome? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll never tell understand. Me about it. I know, right? I love how stuff like that just happens, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. "How did? Wait, you left out some of the steps." <laughs> well, Andy just like he hears somebody talk about like tantric sex and is just able, able to, to do, do it. it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even know if we needed to say the words tantric sex. Okay, well, I mean, we it just was so dumb. To. I know it's insane. But I feel, I do like, feel we like that was one of the things too that just it, it just feels like a trope of a time where Yeah, that was like, definitely something people brought up a oh, lot right, in the right. 90s, mostly because of Sting. Sure. It was definitely a Sting thing for some reason. Yeah, Although yeah. that may have been just because of an SNL sketch. <laughs> but I feel like it was associated with Sting. Yeah, yeah. It usually is associated with people that play like the didgeridoo or whatever, you know. <laughs> I feel like we can kind of move through the Vegas portion somewhat quickly. Hopefully, although it does feel like it takes up a lot of runtime minutes. It does, but it's not essential to the rest of the story. It just kind of fills in what he's doing, and then it provides yeah, yeah. an ending Yeah, where it all comes together at the it's end. It's fun that we have Tate Diggs in it, though. Again, I mean, for me, just another guy like 97, 98, 99, like Tate Diggs, peak, right? And then it's sure. just like all downhill from there. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think on this kind of a budget at this time, they weren't going to get like huge movie stars that were going to stand listen, the test of time. God, man, I am good on Tay Diggs right now at this point. So Simon is going to go to Las Vegas with his friends, and he just wakes up in a trunk, and that's how his story kind of starts. Yeah, yeah. And the implication there is that he got so drunk the night before that we don't even know what happened. They put him in the trunk. His friends in the car are Marcus, Tiny, and Singh. It's basically a bro weekend in Vegas. Tiny and Singh are idiots. Tiny is a wigger. Oh, true. There's actually like kind of an insane scene that's funny in the 90s, but I don't know. I I doubt they would do that now in a movie. Maybe I'll try to get a clip for that. It's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. I peeped this. So this chick, she's bobbing up and down on my dick like, like she's fucking Marilyn Chambers, you know? She actually finds your dick. <laughs> so then she moves around the outside. You know, she's painting the tree. And whack, it hits her in the eye. And her contact, it's like stuck on the end of my dick. Your contact is stuck on the end of my dick, yo. Was it hard or was it soft? What, my dick? The contact lens. Do you remember if it was a colored lens? That she used to have two blue eyes, and now she had one blue and one brown. Yo, what the fuck does that matter? It matters because it happened to me. That was my story. I told that story a year ago, man. The difference is I knew those small but important details. That and, and my story was true. Oh. Whatever. Whatever? Whatever. What you mean, whatever? Why don't you pull your stinky dinky out my ass? I'm trying to make conversation. Fuck! Yo, man, why don't you give a nigga a break? Uh, nigga? What nigga? This nigga? Yo, man, I told you my mother's mother's mother was Your mother's black. mother's mother's father. This ain't Roots mother. <laughs> man, I want to see a picture of this Nubian princess. Okay? Yeah, I want you to bring in a picture. If you were any less black, you would be clear. That bitch was black as night. Okay, stop, Roots! Shut up! Yo, man, I see black. Cause I know I am. See, color's a state of mind, Marcus. You know what? You're right. Thank you, Rhythm Nation. <laughs> well, fuck you, Vanilla Ice. They use Todd's credit card at the hotel. Again, to me, this seems like a nuts move. And I know, like Simon feels like he's in with Todd, and they obviously have well, he, like. It's just to, like you know how you have to give a credit card. He I sa- know, he does but say they're gonna pay cash, but then he does. It also still feels like I just feel like I think we're playing with fire here. Literally, in a bit. <laughs> well, true, it does happen. I don't know. If if I was a drug dealer, and my drug dealer boss, who considers murdering people, offered- well, He seems to have a different view of Todd than relationship. anybody else. Because yeah, yeah. he's like, he's a great guy. <laughs> and Marcus is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's a drug dealer. I know. Well, yeah, right. Like, anyone who has any sort of criminal element to them, I, I just don't think I would be taking their credit card to- Book a hotel room in Vegas. Just like my general thoughts on life. Would not do. Eventually, Simon's wandering around by himself. He crashes a wedding. He ends up in a threesome with two of the bridesmaids, both named kinda, Becky. You know, kind of stumbles into it. Yeah, we see them at the wedding, and all of a sudden they're in an elevator together, and he's doing like a fake Irish accent because he's English. And I guess they ask him if he wants to smoke pot with them. And, yeah. I mean, clearly we all know where it's going, but that leads to threesomes, I guess. Yeah, I don't well, know. you know what they say, though. A, a guy with an accent. Sure. Just yeah, like, that's, that's why need. he's doing an Irish accent, that's I right. guess. 
There's a pot smoking mishap, though, when one of the girls puts tissues in her nose to hold the smoke in, and then the tissues <laughs> catch on fire, <laughs> yeah, which is, is really absurd. dumb. They think that they've stamped the fire out, and then while they're in the middle of this threesome, the room catches on fire. And I love how he just abandons them. Yeah, I know. He's, like, holding his clothes in front of his junk, and then he's just running through the halls. Sure. And it's like, where'd those girls go? Did they ever get out of that room? Kind of an odd threesome, too. I noticed the one girl was getting significantly more play than the other. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah. Although they both seem fully nude. Yes. Which is required for any threesome. Sure. <laughs> Marcus is wearing a yellow blazer for some reason, and he's mistaken for a valet. <laughs> for some reason. They just, I think it looks good. They make a joke of it yeah, at yeah. one point, and then somebody confuses him for a bathroom attendant, then he's confused for a valet. And so I thought somebody... this was like like racial jokes. No, it was the jacket. Okay. They set the jacket. Because there's other valets wearing the same yeah, yellow yeah, jacket. Yeah. Okay, I can follow. I feel like the racist part is you <laughs> <laughs> for thinking that. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. 99? What year did this movie come out? <laughs> 99. Yeah. So someone throws him... Pre-Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl? The keys to a Ferrari. And Marcus... I mean, this is the thing when you have like three what are essentially short films. You don't really know these characters at all, but it still felt out of character for yeah. Marcus to be like, let's just steal this Ferrari. I know. That doesn't seem to jive with anything else that he says. Well, because he's time. kind of been the level-headed one through all this. Yeah, he's telling like, I'm hanging Tiny out and with... Sing not to eat those shrimp that yeah, give yeah. them diarrhea. Like, he's the one that's, like, <laughs> smart and seemingly like, semi-well-off, and he's kind of hanging out with, like, Practices these Practices tantric sex and hasn't idiots. ejaculated yes. in six months. Right. <laughs> yeah. I have to say that Breckenmeyer's Meyer's reaction to that and then like the the two high fives then the half <laughs> it always kind of makes me laugh even though I'm not really sure what they're doing <laughs> and then when he yells at that woman for taking too long at the buffet and he's like damn girl <laughs> oh yeah so they go to the crazy horse strip club which is the place that Todd had recommended now I feel like crazy horse is a famous enough name that it seems weird that that has to be the recommendation from Todd but whatever yeah. They go to this place. I On love... the way there, they find a handgun in the glove compartment oh, that sure. Simon can't yeah. stop messing with. Yeah. I love how out of control Simon is. It is. Simon is like pure id. I know. He just right. comes off of a threesome and then is like, I'm going to a strip club <laughs> in a Ferrari with a gun. I know. I love it. And um, can't even last two seconds without a trip to the champagne I know. room. That's what I really enjoy. The whole pep talk. From, don't order champagne whatever you do yeah, like, we don't have enough money you can't order champagne right? and then it's just like we'll take your most expensive <laughs> bottle of champagne yeah it reminds me remember like chris rock had a song oh yeah absolutely no I do. yeah which was kind room. of a play on the the sunscreen song what's the sunscreen by Boz lerman the director he that. did a song the no sex in the champagne room song is a parody of that song i don't think i know that one okay Maybe that's why I never I'll, really thought it was funny. Okay, I'll, I guess I'll, I just, I'll I, recommend it uh, this week. <laughs> Boz Lerman, Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen on YouTube. That is the song that No Sex in the Champagne Room is parodying. All right, I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I was thinking about Nomi from Showgirls. Does wow. this look like the place that she danced at before she got the big gig? I think that's probably right, yeah. <laughs> These strippers are definitely relics from the 90s with just the huge oh, like, beach ball boobs. Right, yeah. And they're older than you would think. 
That's like, true. They yeah. look like they're already close to 40. Sure. How old do you think those women are now who played those strippers? They're, they're like almost 60 years <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah, they're like probably. great grandmothers. <laughs> so they're doing a private dance, the two girls, for Simon and Marcus. And Once again, a- we have like another like set of rules laid out for Simon, which is just Yeah, which like, pretty no much means what. you can see where it's headed. Yeah, yeah. The bouncer guy's like, you can't touch the girls. They can touch you. Pretty standard stuff. Sure. He tries to touch one, and the girl like successfully kind of stops him. But then he just reaches around and grabs the one girl's ass, and then she calls the bouncer in. All hell is breaking loose. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Again, I mean, it's a little bit wild because it's not really played for laughs, I guess is the reason why I keep coming back to the whole thing of it, like it dabbling in like a more menacing tone because – when the violence and the stuff happens, moment. it's never like how it is in certain movies where the violence is played for laughs. The music cuts out and it seems pretty real. And the enraged bouncer, who's a guy named Victor Jr., he storms oh, yeah. in, starts beating the shit out of Simon. Marcus tries to intervene, which distracts Victor Jr. long enough to allow Simon to pull the gun out and shoot <laughs> yeah. Victor Jr. in the arm. Of course. Which is a wild move because I do feel like Victor Jr. and Victor Sr., I take it. Right. They almost treat this like there's some criminal element of what they're doing and what their group is. But this seems like a a normal business, right? I mean, it's a strip club, but this is not some You're uh, saying why they call the police? Yes. Because it wouldn't be as interesting. A gun is just fired in the establishment. Yeah, I mean... I guess you could read into it any number of things. I think the most logical is that it's just more interesting to have them pursue revenge. Okay, that's enough for me. They, I so. guess they don't think like the cops are going to do enough, so they got to say do no something. more. You would think it would be on video. I would think, yeah. But I, don't I would know. think Simon's days would be numbered. It's a strip club in Vegas. I'm sure there's some questionable stuff. Maybe they, oh, don't, well, they don't want the authorities poking uh, yeah, that's around. That's a good point. Yeah, but Simon used Todd's credit card to pay for the lap dances and left it there and left it there. So Victor Jr. and Sr. And by the way, never thinks about it again either. No, can't figure it out even later. <laughs> Doesn't know what the fuck right. is going on. Because I don't even think when they're on their way back to California eventually that he he's still like confused as to how they found them, which is insane. Yeah. So Victor Jr. and Sr. use that credit card to track them to the hotel that they're staying at. They chase them out of the hotel. There's a car chase. They make it back in time to get Tiny and Sing, and then it's all four of them. We're blowing through this because it really isn't worth getting into, but this does eat up a lot of minutes of... It's a big chase. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of a fine thing. I mean, it's just not particularly tied in with the stuff that we had already been built up to care about. We're still wondering what's going on with Rana. I agree. There's this narrow escape. They're going down an alley. It's like a whole thing. You would think the police would be more involved at oh, some uh, point. Listen, this so car, many cars by the way, are getting hit, just completely demolished. Well, they hit another car too. I know. There's other people involved by the end of it, but they manage to escape when the two Victors' truck flips over. But Victor Senior is still able to trace the address from the credit card. Their car, though, after the damage that it takes through this. There's no way this car's making it back to L.A. You wouldn't think, no. but you know it's just visually interesting okay, right. to see that smushed up car. Very interesting. More this time. sequence of the film, by the way, actually inspired The Hangover. It kind of yes. feels it has that vibe a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely like a manic, crazy pace to it. I mean, The Hangover is definitely like funnier, but okay, hits some of the same beats. Yeah, but it didn't have Tay Diggs though. That's true. We go to the jumping off scene one more time. 
this time we focus on Adam and Zach, who are a couple of soap opera stars. As we may have been able to put together from Rana's segment, these guys have been busted for possession, so they're working for Burke to entrap their dealer, and their dealer is Simon, but Simon's gone, so that turns into Rana. The dynamic with Burke which I love like is uh, hilarious. Yeah. He's throwing them all kinds of signals that they can't interpret. I know. And neither can the audience by the way because in, until this all gets revealed eventually as to what is going on you're like what the fuck is going on with this guy? He's always talking about their bodies <laughs> and complimenting them on their bodies in a yeah. way that's like strange I would say especially for 99. I mean, I guess people are a little more enlightened and comfortable with that kind of stuff. I just love like any like sting operation that well, the guy who we're like pinpointing for this isn't there, so let's just go with it anyway. Well, Instead that's what's so like, weird about it because like Monday, it's not even like Burke even knew who Simon was. Well, it's not like true. they were even targeting yeah. Simon or Todd or anybody specifically. It was just like, well, let's just this keep rolling it up and yeah. getting different people. You would think, though, in L.A. and California that the notoriety of maybe busting a couple of people from TV would be more interesting yeah. and fulfilling for the police department. And also You would what, think the paparazzi what, would be all What over were they this. caught with that this is what they're doing? Like wouldn't you just be like, all right, I'll pay the fine? Well and it's just like <laughs> And community service or this whatever. This whole story is ridiculous. Yeah, because like the cop character is basically just like, yeah, I'm just gonna sign papers for you that says like you're clear. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. like sketchy. Right. You kind of wonder if maybe none of this is real. Yeah. If this is all a this plan other to try guy to get them who to kind sell. of just like helps with the wiretaps and everything. It's just the like dude from Can't Hardly Wait. So loosely involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It goes to show you that you don't necessarily have to be an expert about everything to write a movie script. You can just kind of like wing it well, with some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> none of this ever feels like a real police situation. You're never <laughs> at like a jail or a police station or. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like people talking and they say stuff and you're like, yeah, yeah, he's going to sign a paper. Okay. I get it. Well, is he just maybe not a real cop? No, I think he's a real cop, but I'm wondering if he's making this stuff up about whatever. He might have been the one that busted them, but he never even like entered it in and he just wants them to sell Confederated products. (laughs) (laughs) That's really what this is all about. The ultimate goal. But like when Adam, Scott Wolf, is like, in the store or something he's he's asking zach about his unfaithful girlfriend and it's just so weird it is bizarre and he then brings it up in front of adam and of course the secret here is that zach is not actually talking about a girlfriend he's talking about adam which of course gets revealed over time i think claire is actually the first character that just says it when they walk by and she's just like gay men are so hot and you're like oh yeah it's clear as day Rewatching the attempted drug deal scene with Rana, we now see Zach warns her to go, as in get out of there, before she goes into the bathroom. The bust then is obviously unsuccessful. Burke, yeah, it's like you would think that this would fuck up their whole situation that they're trying to solve for, but basically they're still like, well, we're still good, right? Like, we did our part, and he's kind of like, yeah. Well, yeah, he they kind of ran that by him before it even started. They're like, well, no matter what happens, we're going to get off. And he was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Which makes you, again, it kind of yeah. fits the theory that like none of this is real. It's kind of like Jackie Brown, where it's the whole sting operation that they do in that. Now, obviously, there's some twists and turns there. But basically, she kind of runs out of there. And it's just like, oh, well, the money's gone. So 
Well, I don't know if there was money. It was just like they needed her to sell yeah, yeah. the drugs. Burke, acting really weird afterwards, invites Adam and Zach to his house for an early Christmas dinner with him and his wife, Irene. What a weird relationship to have. I, I'm just thinking, like, you're busted for having too many allergy pills or whatever, <laughs> and the police officer's like, we need you to, like, be part of the sting operation, and then it goes sour, and it, your sort of relationship is ended now because it's just, just like, all right, well, we tried it, it didn't work, but basically, like, I told you that this was the deal we made. E- even if it didn't work, you're kind of scot-free. You would think that relationship is just sort of severed at that point. But then they're like, well, why don't you come over to my house for dinner? He basically holds them hostage, saying he'll sign the papers that drop the charges if they agree to come over for this dinner. One so more what thing. choice do they have at Yeah, that it's point? a good point. It's like there's one more condition. Yeah, which again tells you that it, it doesn't seem real. <laughs> Did a judge sign off on this? <laughs> At their house, Burke and now Irene, too, played by Jane Krakowski, act increasingly bizarre. It definitely feels like some weird sex thing. Yeah, swinging just a gangbang. Yeah, who knows what's going on? At one point, Burke is just standing there nude in front of Zach, and he's like getting him to smell the cologne. That scene is so funny <laughs> because then he's trying to wipe the cologne on oh, right. the bed. Yeah, yeah, and then. Then eventually Burke pushes him onto the bed to feel the springs and everything. And it's obviously so sexual and gay feeling that you're like, does he know that they're gay? What's happening here? Yeah, you are trying to, you're kind of scratching your head figuring out where is this heading? And it all comes to a head when they're sitting around the table and Irene and Burke reveal that they are a part of this multi-level marketing Oh, thing, no. This pyramid scheme yeah. to sell confederated products. Which I'm just like waiting for the day when I come over to record the podcast and you're like starting to. I'm not, you're no. going to be like. <laughs> I've known about this shit you're gonna since be like, forever. Hey, I've always man, goofed on this and made fun of people. Yeah, like here's what happens you buy like three Blu rays. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but I think we're going to have to leave soon because uh, Adam's not feeling well. Huh? I don't. It's true. Well, if you gotta go, uh, then I understand. But, well, Irene and I sort of had an ulterior motive for inviting you here tonight. He makes it sound sinister. It's not. No, I don't. She's right. Okay. Okay. You've looked around our place. Where do you think we got most of this stuff? Just guess. Come on. Sears? J.C. Penny? It's actually from Confederated Products. Almost everything in this house is from Confederated Products, from the toilet paper to the, to, to the candles to the ham. The, the wine. The wine, the wine. Even that cologne you liked. You see, Confederated Products is a multi-level direct wholesaling company, which means we don't just sell the products ourselves. No, sir, you read Bob. We recruit and manage teams that work under us. Now, Irene and I started eight months ago, and already we're pulling in 50000 a year in revenues. We're the number four distributor in Southern California. You got that one, babe. And by March, we might be number three. 
Now, as law enforcement officers, Irene and I, we cannot recruit distributors from inside the force. It's against the rules. So what we do is we look for people in other industries. Like the entertainment industry. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait. You want us to sell Amway? It's Confederated Products. It, it, it's a, it's a different company. It's a different quality of product. It's always not to stereotype, but it, yeah. it's always like stay-at-home moms on Facebook. That's okay. where you get hit. I, by the way, I do kind of consider that your demographic. I'm not even on Facebook. Yeah, but you're kind of like a stay-at-home mom with no kids. <laughs> no, you need to have the kids, and you need to feel like you have nothing to do. So then okay. this is how you think that you're making a living even though you you know you don't make any money you basically just lose money doing right. it but whatever and somehow this pitch from burke and irene is so much worse than what adam and zach or the audience were thinking <laughs> it would have been so much better if this was a proposition for some weird sex thing <laughs> the fact yeah. that it's to sell amway basically just a different name for it is crazy I mean, it's the worst thing you can get into as a pitch. It's as off-putting as anything there is. When somebody tries to like pitch you on something that... It's actually just sad, You really. have zero interest in, and you're going to have to pay for, basically. And they're convinced that they're making money from it, and it's somehow good. Yeah, it sort of just like makes you feel sad just even being <laughs> in the situation. Like, how did I end up... Right. How, what yeah. mistakes in life did I make to end up in this conversation? <laughs> After leaving, Adam and Zach discussed their mutual infidelities, which have been brought up repeatedly With throughout the their segment. With the same guy, too. Well, that's what they then. That's when they realize. Yeah, yeah. They realize they're cheating on each other with the same guy, Jimmy, who works on their show. Jimmy. So they go to find Jimmy, and then they go to his apartment, I guess, or house, and that's where we see Melissa McCarthy, who is either his sister or roommate. I really wasn't sure who she was. She just yeah. knows Jimmy and tells Definitely them where some Jimmy is. Genetic differences if they're brother and sister. Yeah. He, well, she Jimmy's reveals cut. Jimmy is at the Mary Xmas rave. This does feel like it very easily could have been a deleted scene, yet it made the movie. Well, how else would they know that's where he is? I think we would have just accepted it. <laughs> I think we would have just accepted that they ended up if, at if, the rave. Yeah, if Scott Wolf was like, he said he was going to be at this place tonight. <laughs> yeah, right. And they're like, okay. They track him there confront him they cut his hair and kind of a weird thing sure and then they're in the parking lot trying to figure out how to leave and of course we kind of recognize their car and then all of a sudden they hit rana and when you see it from their perspective and they both are screaming yeah it's kind of funny the scene plays differently from that perspective yeah we see todd with a gun out the window they flee they go to a gas station they discuss what happened at the gas station (laughs) that was fucking crazy and they're just like, what do we do? She's dead, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's think about this logically. She's either alive or she's dead. All right? If she's dead, there's nothing we can do about it. If she's alive, the guy who had that gun, who looked like he really wanted to shoot her, he probably did shoot her. So, even if she's alive, she's dead. Exactly. Exactly. On the plus side, the only witnesses are you, me, and him, and I don't think any one of us are going to want to talk about this anytime soon, so... I really... It really didn't go as bad as it could have. 
girl is dead. Zach, I didn't say it went perfectly. And then Adam remembers he's still wearing the wire from the earlier bust attempt. <laughs> oh, no. And they're like, well, do you think anyone was listening? Are they recording this? They don't know what to do. Yeah. They briefly throw out the idea of like, well, we're actors. We could say we were running lines, even though that wouldn't make any what, <laughs> while you're driving around. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> if you're dedicated to your art. So they think, OK, well, if we've been recorded the whole time, we could potentially retrieve her body. And if they don't find the body, then there's no crime. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> logic of I this, love this. Yeah, gets so warped. Rationalize. Like, I guess d- when you're in this panic mode and trying to like figure out how you're going to get out of this situation, things start to seem like they make sense. So they drive back to the parking lot and they discover she- Rana's still alive. Yep. And then when they pull her up into the parking lot, for a minute, Zach takes out like that oh, yes. tire iron thing. Like, he's <laughs> like going to kill, kill her, her with it. And then decides not to. Yeah, yeah. It's really dark. Well, yeah, because all of the plan was, like, under the guise that she was dead. Yeah. And now that she's not. It's actually pretty funny when right. he's like, we should just stick with the plan. And yeah. Adam's like, well, in the plan, she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I wish is that they threw in a line here that they recognize her. I know. They don't ever say that they recognize her. And I'm like, they just experience such a weird thing of <laughs> right. trying to bust her for selling drugs. Yeah, they don't yeah. re- remember her. I know. That is nuts. I don't know. I guess it's dark out. I mean, she's pretty bloodied up, too. I mean, I guess I could buy it, but since it's a movie... Like, in real life, I could kind of buy it, because, like, they just spent all that weird time at Burke's house, and they only actually interacted with her for, like, a few (laughs) seconds, really. Just like, isn't that Sarah (laughs) Polly? Adam and Zach end up propping Rana up on a car, setting off the alarm, and watch (laughs) as some of the rave kids that she sold fake drugs to call for an ambulance. Morning comes, finally. Claire ends up at a diner where she usually tries to meet up with Manny or Rana after a night out if they get separated, and they're not there. But she runs into Todd instead. And as I mentioned, Claire seems oblivious to having fucked over Todd, so (laughs) she just goes and sits with him. Yeah. He seems stunned by her apparent lack of fear. Right. An outgoing nature. He's just kind of like, what is happening right now? I was kind of, it does just feel like both of them have just kind of been up all night. Yes. And you're just kind of like, I guess that's just life. Oh, so you're thinking that she does know that they fucked him over and she just doesn't think anything's going to happen. Yeah. I don't, see, I don't think that. Nah, I don't know. It just doesn't fit with Manny and Rana But what is she up to though? What do you mean? I don't know. It just seems strange. Why she, she just buy- knows him and she recognizes him. I don't think Not, she had any idea that he was going to. No, no. I don't think she has any like ulterior motives with him. Or, But she's just at this diner by herself. Well, she explains to him that this is where she would meet up with Rana this is like and Manny. After- their ongoing plan. Like anytime they would get separated, yeah. they meet at this diner for right. coffee. And he yeah. just happens to be there. Sure. Because I'm in. It's a movie. Listen, I'm good. They hit it off somehow. And then they end up going back <laughs> to his place. Yeah, I do feel like score the cinch for Todd, really. Making out on the stairs leading up to his apartment, and they are unexpectedly interrupted by the two victors who have come from Las Vegas after finding out Todd's address. At a certain point, are there vendettas that aren't worth it? To who? Them? Yeah. Probably not. Driving from Las Vegas to it's LA. It's a gunshot. Just a, yeah, but it's just a flesh wound, really. <laughs> I think he's going to be okay. If anything, I feel like they shouldn't be away from the crazy horse for this long. Yeah, who's watching? I do like that it cuts to Todd and Claire being on the steps to him drawing a map 
to Simon's. I know. I love and that. Just completely it, it really selling is him funny, out. Yeah. And like you kind of slowly feel Claire losing interest. Uh, no, not slowly. I mean, it pans up to her and she's disgusted. Yeah, yeah. And then Simon actually shows up in the middle of this, <laughs> hoping to hide out, and then oblivious as to how they tracked him back there in the first place. Simon's apartment is here uh-huh. on Orlando, just off the of third. You know, there's a lot of construction on La Cienega, so you might want to take Fairfax. Oh, thanks. Why don't you just drive him yourself? You can help him pull the trigger. Listen, Todd, I'm going to need to hide out here for a while. You won't believe Shut up! Hello, witness! What are you gonna shoot us both? Claire, shut the fuck up. This little fuck shot my son. Hand me off! So what are you gonna shoot all of us? What do you actually want? Justice. Right, that should be the uh, fleshiest bit right there, so it should be okay if you do that. Uh, Oh, yeah. Right, cheers. Just pull the fucking trigger. You pull the fucking trigger. Shoot somebody who knows gonna be shot. It's different. It's not That's the same the thing. Point. You just shoot him. Boom. I don't mind, obviously. See, you don't mind. If your mother can see you now, you're disgusting. You just pull the fucking trigger. It's not the same thing. It's different. No shit. He shot you in the arm. I'm going. I gotta go to work. See, the girl is leaving here. See you later, Claire. gotta give it to simon never fearful (laughs) yeah not really yeah it doesn't resonate with him and then claire is screaming like what what are you gonna do shoot him and then shoot both of us the two witnesses and todd's like shut the fuck up yeah 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 (laughs) i do love how interested todd is in seeing this happen though yeah it's pretty wild well that also plays in with him carrying that gun around it's like well he never actually got to use it so he clearly wants to use it this is some darkness in him i guess i guess like being a successful drug dealer is kind of like a boring life i don't know (laughs) can't relate simon agrees to be shot in the arm and then victor jr is hesitant and claire leaves in disgust only to hear the gunshot off screen yeah if anything i did feel myself just thinking and i know todd doesn't care and he's like getting it on the reg or whatever but it's just it feels like this was a a missed opportunity for him well, he knows that he was menacing Rana around with a gun. Yeah. So she's either going to be dead, which is going to fuck everything up because she got hit by a car. Yeah. Or she's not dead, and she's obviously going to tell Claire what happened. I, I mean, this is short term Yeah, at best. right. Like, just I get feel what like you can while you can, I guess. Th- there's no post-credits moment of thinking that Claire and Todd are going to be able to make this work. I think he, <laughs> he crossed the line with the gun in the parking lot. There's yeah. no coming back from True. that. Yeah. 
I mean, Claire point. might might be wanting to be a little bit more wild than she used to be, but she's not going to sell out her friend. <laughs> be like, yeah, I know that this guy was going to kill you, but I think I'm going to date him. And really, even after he didn't kill you, left you for dead. <laughs> sure, yeah. You understand, Rana, right? <laughs> Why don't you pick up another shift, Rana? Girls are not Leave like me guys. Alone. <laughs> guys, I think, you know, it's understandable. Yeah, yeah. Rana wakes up in the hospital and just kind of rips out whatever huh. is going on and just leaves and is hobble hobbles into work night. which is actually kind of funny and hilarious and i don't know kind of a commentary on skyrocketing healthcare costs and <laughs> how that you see in she can't afford to take a sick day from work despite the fact that she was hit by a car i, I think that this like definitely fits in with it's a good point. today's yeah. economy michael moore strolls across the screen eating like three <laughs> hot dogs I do feel like something that does happen in movies a lot, probably not as frequent in real life. People just ripping out IVs and walking out of hospital rooms. Yeah, yeah, I would say that that probably rarely happens yeah. in real life. Although, Although actually, people uh, on drugs probably sometimes. Sure, yeah. Uh, Dustin, actually, listener of this show, I think has a story similar to this one time. Just woke up in a hospital, no memory of the night before, wandered out. Yeah. Well, Pretty cool guy. At the grocery store, Claire asks about Manny. <laughs> And Rana realizes that she left him back outside of Mary Xmas Rave. Yeah. So this kind of is a weird part because they're both working and they're both on a register. And then it cuts to them just going back to that parking lot and finding him. So do they just both leave work at the same time? I don't know. Yeah. And he's still there in the same little alley area under that garbage. And they find her keys and they get in her car. And I don't know how they got there in the first place. If they just found her keys. But again, I don't know what's going on. And then Manny's like, well, what are we doing for New Year's? And that's the whole thing. It's like he basically just is filthy, stayed outside all night in the winter under some trash. And then it's just like, well, what are we doing next? And they're kind of like, all right, well. I will say I was never good at that, even in my younger years. Like if I had a wild like trash night, I was not ready to go again the next day. I don't think the next day is New Year's, but... Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just think that's kind of the point of the movie, though, is that these kids are just young and invincible. And so it's like, there's no lesson. All this fucked up shit happened. They almost died a bunch of different ways, kind of. Life goes on. What's next? Yep. The tagline of the movie was, life starts at 3 a.m., which I don't really even understand. It's not really a big emphasis on the time in the movie or anything. That doesn't feel like... But th- yeah, but that was like before you saw the movie, before I saw it, I remember always thinking like, yeah, it's just like this no rules. Sure. Anarchy, man. <laughs> I always liked yeah. the movie. Listen, I certainly can think of like a time in my life, 17, 18, 19, where I would watch something like this and probably be like, wow, I, I would love it if my life was like this. Sure. Yeah. That's and, like, what it was like I for me. aspire to it. like, yeah, have nights like this in my life. And sure, there were probably some fun ones, but I mean, it's mostly bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, though, I think it's shocking to me to consider that the Rana, Claire, and I guess Manny characters are much younger than I would have ever thought. I always just kind of thought, like, well, she's talking about an apartment. She must be in her 20s. Sure. When she says to Burke that she's 17, she shouldn't be drinking the beer, I always assumed she was lying because she knew he was a cop. Same. She knew he was yeah. trapped. Or she was trapped, and she was just trying to get out of there. But I don't know. I'm kind of reconsidering it now based Again, on information that has come to light. We touched on it <laughs> earlier. Don't think there's a lot of like high school chicks in 
Southern California that have their own apartments. She does say, though, she makes it seem like if she gets evicted, then she has nowhere to go. Like, in yeah, other words, her parents she might not dead. have a family or okay. something. I don't know. They don't really get into the backstories Fair. of these characters. <laughs> yeah. She seems like she works, what, 22 hours straight or something at the grocery yeah. store at one point? <laughs> okay, so this is kind of a fun movie sure. for Christmas time. Shockingly, I you know, I remember watching it with you. I really wouldn't have expected to be as highly rated as it is. It's and it's one the, of those movies that on the 10-year anniversary, the 15-year yeah. anniversary, and we just had the 20-year anniversary, it seems to get re-reviewed. Okay. It's one of those like, reappraised movies, and people seem to like it's it trending more up. now when they re-review it. I think it's still very cult, though. I don't think it's like has a huge sure, following sure. or anything, okay. but it's much better than a lot of the other Tarantino knockoffs. There are definitely things they do similar to the way Tarantino did stuff with like Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown and yeah. Reservoir Dogs to a certain extent, but I mean, it's much less of a knockoff than a few of the other ones, like Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead, Eight yeah, Heads yeah. in a Duffel Bag, Two Days in the Valley. Those movies were like very Tarantino heavy, and the this is just kind of like it messes with narrative a little bit. But I mean, I don't know. I don't yeah. really think it's that derivative the way that it's shot and cut though i do sort of feel like that's kind of like what i picture glitterati being like if it ever came out <laughs> you know yeah that's a reference everyone will get <laughs> what are you doing what what vincent stopped making pics well how am i gonna know what movies to see we have a wide variety of gene pics gene's trash i'm gene all right, so recommendations. Do you have one? I have one, yeah. So this week I watched streaming on Amazon Prime. Pretty high score on Rotten Tomatoes. Came out this year. Brittany runs a marathon. Oh, oh yeah, I, did, I haven't seen that. A lot of by-the-book stuff, but I will say darker than you would expect and kind of poking fun at a lot of these people who live their lives on Instagram and well, you know I enjoy that. Absolutely. Ingrid Goes West. So, yes. And uh, listen, it's not as good as Ingrid Goes West, but there's some good stuff in it. And it, I, like I said, they they took it to some darker places than it I was stars, expecting to. What's that girl's name? Eh, I don't know her name. She was the one in Curb Your Enthusiasm who wore a shirt that was too small. That like yes. showed her stomach that right. Larry didn't like. <laughs> and yeah, and there's some stuff in it that I think is kind of cringe. But I, overall, I enjoyed it. it it's funny. It has the heartwarming part that you would expect it to have but i i liked it okay so what was that britney runs a marathon yes and that's on amazon prime my recommendation comes with kind of a disclaimer i'm gonna go ahead and recommend the new noah bomback movie marriage story now streaming on netflix this is a movie that will be nominated for tons of shit acting awards Maybe it'll get a nomination for Best Picture at the Oscars. It seems like it's going to get nominated for lots of stuff. Stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Yes. The cliche joke would be marriage story. It should be called divorce story. It's really about a divorce. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but we know what all marriages lead towards. Universally praised and adored, super high Rotten Tomatoes score. As I said, it seems like Adam Driver is the leading candidate now for best actor oh wow for this yeah no for star wars (laughs) well you know i enjoyed it i did not like it as much as most people though and i definitely didn't like it as much as meyerwitz story i gotta tell you man we talked about noah bomback's last movie for netflix a little bit off mic i loved meyerwitz stories as 
as well. And watching this one, and I haven't finished it yet, but watching the first half of it, it's not that I thought it was bad by any means, but it was not resonating with me in the way that Meyerwood Stories was. Yeah, and I think we're in the minority, the vast minority. I, I think Meyerwood Stories was mostly ignored by most wow. people, and this is you know Sad. being positioned to be this big thing. In a way, though, that's because it's probably Noah Baumbach's most mainstream story. Okay. The characters are a little weird, but they're very realistic. Sure. In terms of, like, who they are. And I'm happy. I mean, listen, I like Noah Baumbach quite a bit. I'm happy that it if, if he's getting attention for it, then I'm in on right, it. Right, but I'm just saying, like, when you compare it to the characters in, like, The Squid and the Whale. Or sure. The, even the characters in Meyerowitz stories. Or Greenberg. These people seem much more relatable. They're not as yeah. odd. I will say that I found some of the acting to be over the top, and that's the stuff that's going to be rewarded the most. But, I mean, it wasn't al- always like... It felt very movie to me. It didn't feel like how people would really act. So sure. then it, it, like you're seeing the acting a little bit. Everybody is good in it. It's just sometimes they dial it up a little bit. And there are funny moments in it, and there's weird moments in it. But, yeah, I would say, like... I'm in still. I'm not even convinced that it's going to be in my top ten of the year. I need to finish it first, but, yeah. And some some people are putting it high. I've seen some lists that it didn't make at all. So, I mean, it just depends, I guess, critic to critic. But I guess I'm not as high on it as some people. But I still am going to recommend it overall. Okay. For this week. We'll take that. Because there aren't really a ton of things to recommend. (laughs) That's all we got. All right, so thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Don't let it go away. Tomorrow's got to stay. Don't let it go away. Skin has got to stay. And I can't believe I've had this chance now. Don't let it go
one person who owns this garage here that is on the fire is Heather Tenney. Heather, tell me, you woke up around 345 and you saw this. What, what happened? I woke up to beating on the doors. My neighbors, I opened up the door. My neighbors were like, get out, get out, you know? So I, when I opened up the door, I seen just blazing from the garage. And I woke him up, my husband. And I, we got out as fast as we could. We had, I had him move the vehicles out of the way, and I had him go back in the house to get our two dogs that we had in there. When you got outside and you saw what was happening, you saw what was going on, what were your thoughts? Oh, my gosh. It can, you know, I didn't ever think it was going to happen to us. Do you know how this fire started? Yes, I do. It was because of my cousin. And I don't want to mention no names. Your cousin? Yes. Um, and you say you think your cousin started this. Uh, do you know how or why? He's mad because he couldn't, he can't get with me. I'm married to my husband. And it's a long story. Just make it short. Yeah, he put. He already put him in the hospital once last month, and he figured he's going to do something else to get back. All right. So right now, uh, all right, the fire has been put out. Thank you for uh, for the information here.